If you would like more information about Jubilee Church, please visit our website at jubileestl.org. Welcome to Jubilee's online service. I am so glad and really honored that you chose to be with us today. Uh, it's a new era, but I uh, believe that by God's grace, he's gonna do some amazing things. And before we get on, I just wanna encourage you that if you know anybody who does video or technology at Jubilee Church, will you, will you thank them? They are working super, super hard uh, in this season. And if you have those skills and you're hiding out and you haven't let anyone know that, you need to come forward. We'll pay you in toilet paper and hand sanitizer. So like, we'll get you started. We'd love for you to be a part of the team. Um, there's something that I learned in Sunday school. Maybe you learned it some other time. It, it's, a, it's a little song and, and a hand motion about the church. And it goes like this. It goes like, here is the church. Here is the steeple. Open up the doors and all the people. Except if you are with me right now, I'm in our Jubilee's church building, one of them anyway, and there are no people here. It's just me and a camera guy and some audio. There's no people here. And if you have this mindset that, hey, you know, the church is a building and, and a church is where I go on a Sunday morning. You may think in this season that we've closed our doors, but I just want you to know that we have not closed our doors. If anything, in this season, we have opened them up wider uh, because the church is not a building, it's a people. And now we're seeing the church expand in ways that we've never seen. And not just our churches, but our churches all over the country and all over the world. Uh, so as before, we were one church in four different locations. And now this morning, I'm sure it's, it's in the hundreds in all over um, you know, St. Louis area and in Missouri and, and even in other states. And so we're grateful uh, that God uh, is building his church. And even in times like this, he's building his church. Um, the church is meant to gather, but it's also meant to scatter. And COVID-19, just like persecution uh, in Acts, in the book of Acts, has caused the church to scatter in ways that really no one's ever dreamed of or ever wanted, but it's happening. And so what I want to do today is I want to address what, is, what is, could be our response in this time period? How do we uh, change what we do? We want to be the same church we've always been, uh, but we need to change our methods in, in this season. So I want to take a look at a passage in 1 Corinthians 13, where Paul basically said, you know, you, you can do without a lot in the church, but really there's a few things that you really need to hold on to. And we're going to take a look at that in 1 Corinthians uh, 13, 11 through 13. If you want to follow along in your Bible, uh, I'm going to show you a passage on the screen. It's out of the English Standard Version. And here it is. Paul writes to the church in Corinth, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. So he's saying right now in this world, we don't see everything there is to see. We only see in part. But when we get to that one day, he's gonna make it all clear to us. He said, then I'll know fully. He says, even as, excuse me, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide. So at the end of it, these are the things that are gonna remain. So in all of history, these are the things that we need to hold on to. Faith, hope, and love. These three things, but the greatest of these is love. So what do we need to hold on in this season? We need to hold on to these three things. We need to hold on to faith and not fear. We need to hold on to hope and not despair. And we need to hold on to love and not apathy. Faith, 
hope and love. So first say we need to hold on to faith and not fear. So let me tell you uh, what faith is. But before actually I do that, I want to tell you what faith isn't. Faith is not opposed to knowledge. So faith isn't believing that, you know, the coronavirus is a hoax and, uh, you know, it's overblown and we can just ignore what medical professionals are telling us. That's not faith. That's foolishness. Uh, the writer of Hebrews, uh, excuse me, the writer of, of Proverbs says this. He says, the prudent sees danger and hides himself, but the simple go on and suffer for it. Both wisdom and love uh, demand that we practice social distancing. You know, we wash our hands, we do all that stuff. I mean, I believe that God is going to protect me, but I still wear a seatbelt, right? I, I believe my, that God's going to protect my kids, but I still teach them to look both ways when they cross the street. But here's what faith is. Hebrews 1, 11, 1 says, now faith is assurance of things not seen. So faith is not opposed to knowledge, but here's what faith is opposed to. Faith is opposed to sight, which means what you see isn't all there is. Because if you're a Christ follower, you have a father in heaven who loves you. Um, he's going to take care of you. He feeds the birds. He's going to feed you. You know, he, he, he takes care of the grass, he, but in, which is here today and gone tomorrow. So it's temporary. He's going to take care of you and you are eternal. You have a father in heaven who loves you. If you're in fear right now, I just want to encourage you to go back into the mirror, you know, find a mirror in your house and just say, God's got you. God's got you. He has you. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world, anything in the world. He's, and if he's, if he's greater and if he's got you, you're going to get through this. You're going to be okay. And then once you get that confidence, you need to go to other people and you need to look them in the face and you say, you're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. In fact, why don't you just do that right now? You know, you're sitting on your couch, maybe uh, turn to the person to the right of you and just say, hey, you're going to be okay. And then turn to the person left of you and you say the same thing, you know, you're going to be okay. And if you're here by yourself, you just told yourself three times and you're all the better for it. You're going to be okay. Listen to me. There are two things that are going to happen in this season. Either your theology, and a theology is just your thought about God. So everyone has thoughts about who God is. Either your theology is going to conform to your reality and your God's going to get smaller, or your reality is going to conform to your theology and your God's going to get bigger. And I want to encourage you to allow uh, your reality to conform to who God is. And we need to start telling God about our giants. We need to start telling our giants about our God and start believing that what the devil meant for evil, God is going to work out for our good. Now, I want to show you a clip uh, from a preacher that you may have heard of. I'm sure you have. His name is Billy Graham. It's an old clip. And you're not really supposed, they tell you as a preacher, don't ever show someone else preaching because after, the, after you show them preaching, they're not going to want to hear you preach. And I'm just going to I'm going to take that risk anyway because it's so powerful. He's talking to, he's, he's given a message about how we don't see everything that God sees, but we can still trust him. Let me show you that clip right now. Habakkuk said, Lord, please tell me what you're doing. And God said, no, I'm not going to tell you, Habakkuk, because if I told you what I was doing, you wouldn't believe it. If God today told us what he's doing in the world, we wouldn't believe it. Don't you think God's given up and God's abdicated and God's left the throne? He hasn't. He's still on the throne. And those of us that know him put our trust in him and him alone. I don't put my trust in Washington. I don't put my trust in the United Nations. I don't put my trust in myself. I don't put trust in my money. 
I put my trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. When all the rest of it fails and crumbles and shatters, he'll be there. So how do you get there? How do you have that kind of confidence that uh, Billy Graham was talking about? There's two things. One is praise. The other one is prayer. Praise and prayer. Psalm 6930 says this. I will praise the name of God with a song. I will magnify him with thanksgiving. As we praise him, he gets magnified. He gets bigger and that's what we want. Secondly, we pray. First Peter 5, 6 through 7. We need to particularly pray when we're feeling anxious. It says this, humble yourselves, meaning like get on your knees. And that's what prayer is. It's a way of being uh, humbled. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, casting all your anxieties, all of them, every single one of them, on him, because you know why? Because he cares for you. He loves you and he's going to take care of you. And the way that we have this confidence is we have to be people who praise and, uh, and praise. Praise gives praise and praise. Um, praise together. And that's what we're going to do on Wednesday. We're going to praise and we're going to pray. We're going to come together uh, through live stream on YouTube. I wish we could get in person. But man, we're going to join together in spirit and we're going to pray and we're going to pray and we're going to praise together. We're going to lift his name up. Tim Keller says this, who's a pastor in New York. He said, every single emotion that you have should be processed in prayer. Every single one of them. That's what we want to do. Okay, so that's the first thing. We want to uh, have faith and not give in to fear. The second thing is that we want to have hope. We want to hold on to hope and not give in to despair. I'm just going to read one big verse from uh, Romans 8, 31, which really can't get better than this. It says this, it says, what shall we say to these things? It's talking about being under the gun. If God is for us, if he is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how he will not also with him graciously give us all things. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is, it, who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. And I want to hold right there for just a second. That passage started, said, if God is for us, who could be against us? Now, I, just, I need to talk to those of us who, who may be unsure what their walk with Christ because it's very important in this moment, more than any other moment that you know that God is for you. Because these passages, and as I go on, I'm gonna say some pretty amazing things for those who are in Christ. And I just wanna make sure that you're there. For God to be for you, he, he says this, who shall bring a charge against God's elect? What does it mean to be a part of God's elect? It's to know that you know that you know that it's God who justifies you. It's not you who justifies you. It's not because you're a good person and that you lived a good life and certainly God's gonna let you in. Here's what you need to know. To be a part of God's life, it's, it's trusting that he justifies you, that Jesus Christ is the one who died for you. And even more than that, he raised and that right, right now is at the right hand of God praying for you. So if you don't know him, we're just gonna pause right here and I wanna pray for you, for you to receive Jesus. This is so important. If you have any questions, if you're, if you're with other people, you know, who cares? Just, pay attention to me. If you're by yourself, I promise you, if you call out to God, you shall be saved. Here's a little, just pray with me. Just say this after me. Father, thank you for dying. Thank you for sending your son to die for my sin. I, I want to turn from my life 
And I want to put my trust in you and you alone, for you are the one who justifies me. Please save me and give me the gift of your spirit to live this new life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you said that prayer, you are a part of us. You are the one when Paul exclaims, when God is for us, who who can be against us. Now you're our part, you're part of his elect. And if that's true, I'm gonna show you some more good news about you and everyone else who's watching right now. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword or COVID-19? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, in every situation, in the situation you're in now or in another situation you may be in, maybe you lose your job, maybe your hours will get cut back, maybe you'll have economic hardship, maybe you'll get sick, maybe, maybe something will happen to someone that you know, someone that you love. In all of these things, check this out. This is the hope that you have if you're in Christ. You are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure, I want every person watching this to be sure to have hope, not to be given to despair about your circumstance, but have hope. Here's the hope. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. If you are in Christ, you have every reason to hope and not despair. Here's the third thing we need to hold on to. We need to hold on to love and not apathy. Love and not apathy. Faith, hope, and love. And this is the greatest one. So here's what we're gonna pay attention to this one. Paul says this in Galatians 6, 10. So then as we have opportunity and we're gonna have opportunity to, all around us because of the season that we're in, let us do good to everyone. In this context, as being a church, we want to do good to everyone. But check this out, especially to those who are the household of faith. So here's what we want to do. We, we, we see there's just so many, there's so much opportunity for the church right now. There's so much opportunity for you and I to do good to other people. And, we, and we're going to focus on the household of God, not only the household of God, because that says to do good to everyone. We will get to everyone, but we're gonna be especially good to those who are part of the household of faith. How will we love each other in this season? Number one, we will continue with conversation. We must be in group. You must be in a group. You must be around people that you can talk to. You need to talk to people. It's not just the extroverts who are really suffering right now, I know. But we all need conversation. We all need it. So let's check on the lonely, the discouraged, and the fearful. I love what Jude says in, in uh, the 22nd verse of his book. He says, and have mercy on those who doubt. There are those among us who, who are given to fear. Let's not be judgmental to those people. Let's be merciful to them. Let's be kind to them. Let's love them. Let's bring them in. Let's allow them to feel um, okay amongst us. So community groups will continue and will even be more important as a ministry hub. Those, there are people that you, we just need people to step up and care for. Um, host when you can, when we're able to do that. Take on the care burden. There are so many people in the edges. Let me just throw some numbers at you. Before 
a few weeks ago, as we looked at the at our at our numbers, there were uh, one thousand one hundred and nineteen men, women, and children who were generally a part of Jubilee Church. They didn't come every Sunday, but they were they they came, you know, every so often. Now, roughly seven hundred and fifty of those people are accounted for men, women, and children are accounted for through our community groups. And, we're, and we, we spent the entire week uh, just making sure everyone was okay. Uh, some were, some weren't, and we're addressing those needs. So we have 750 people who are accounted for, but there are 369 people who are not in a group. And these are the people that would typically float in and out of our, seri- of our, of our services. And, and you know, some people call them the fringe. Let me show you something in Ezekiel 34 because God has a heart for you to be in a fold. He says, so the sheep were scattered because there was no shepherd and they became food for all the wild beasts. This is God speaking. And his heart is, for, is to bring people into a fold. My sheep were scattered. They were wandered all over the mountains and on every high hill. My sheep were scattered all over the face of the earth. Check this out. With none to search or seek for them, to seek for them. Let me just tell you about a minute. In this new era that we're in, this new phase of church life together, who knows how long it will last, but let me tell you about a ministry that just went away overnight. At every campus, at every location, a location pastor or a leader would stand at the back of the door. This is one of the things that has gone away would stand at the back of the door and they would greet everyone. They would smile with everyone. They would you know, fist bump or handshake or whatever with everyone. But they were especially looking for one of those 369 people to look them in the eye, uh, to, to, to make conversation with them, to see how they're doing, to see if there was any crack in the door that they may be able to minister to them, to love on them, to pray for them, to encourage them, to get them to take a next step. Now that's all gone. That's all gone. 369 people, the minute, that ministry is all gone. But maybe you know them because maybe you invited them. I just want to encourage you in, that, in this ministry to connect with them, to get them to be a part of your group, uh, uh, to, to, to gather them into community and to continue to do that. I, and there's some really cool things uh, that are happening in groups, not just groups meeting together, but I'm hearing some really cool stories, people being um, innovative and in how they meet together. There's a, gr- a group in Kirkwood. They had a, these guys had a happy hour together. They just got together over Zoom and just talked and, and had happy hour. There are other people who played Pictionary. There's a, I guess apparently there's a function on, your, on, your, on the Zoom where you could do Pictionary or something along those lines. And some ladies um, last week had a forum to testify of the goodness of God in the season. Let me just say that God is doing good things. In people. people are being met financially. People are being met emotionally and spiritually. God is meeting needs uh, in this time, even though it is a difficult time and he'll continue to do that. So we need to keep doing these things and being together, but I wanna encourage us to look for the sheep that may have wandered off. Look for the sheep that may be uh, unattended to and to feed them and to love them and to bring them in. And I just wanna say, if you're one of those who are wandering, you like, you know who you are, I wanna encourage you to self-identify. Say, yeah, that's me. I mean, comment somewhere on our social media, on our YouTube page or Facebook or whatever. Send us a message, email the office, or better yet, uh, get on our website, connect with one of our groups. Let us know you need people around in your life now more than other. other. Here's another thing that we can do. If you, you, you could start a new group. We have 36 groups for 538 people. 
considering the dynamics that we're in, I mean, you know, 10 or less, and plus, even if it were doing it over Zoom, we need to have uh, maybe another 20 groups easily. Not only that, there's so many opportunities uh, that we have now that we didn't used to have that we could take advantage of. Like, for example, everybody's schedule just opened up. Nobody's doing anything. Um, you don't have to travel to get to group. You've got that burden out of the way. So it doesn't matter where you live. You can join, you can join community uh, even if you live further out. You don't have to take your kids out. In fact, your group can meet a little bit later after your kids go to bed. There's more opportunities for you to do stuff. And look, this season gives us an opportunity to do things differently. Maybe you are in a group. Start another group, but do it, do it around a theme. Like, you know, people are grieving. If you have a heart for those who are grieving, have a group a, temporarily for those who are grieving and how to battle fear. I mean, there's lots of resources online through version and different things like that. Do a Bible study on addressing fear and anxiety. Or maybe you can start a group for someone who needs help with their finances. People are going to need help with their finances if they don't already. Maybe you could start a group, an additional group doing that. Maybe you could start a group for parents who never thought in a million years that they had ever do homeschool, but they're doing homeschool now and they're totally freaked out. And maybe you could be a parent to bring some organization to that and some help to that. There, there's just tons of opportunities if we're willing to rise up and go for them. Maybe uh, you need financial help or maybe you want to give financial help. I uh, just want to tell your community group leader, again, we, if you're in a group, we spent all last week making sure that you were cared for. And if there's an issue that's been brought up and you haven't told your community group leader yet, please let them know. They want to help you. Your group wants to help you. And we as a church wide, we want to help each other. If you're not yet in a group, get in a group. That's the best way to get cared for. Otherwise, go to our website under COVID-19 help. You could just go on the website. You'll see the icon there. In fact, we may have, there you go, right there. You go on that, just click on this um, graphic. You'll, you'll see how you can receive help, but also what Jubilee Church is doing uh, to help others. Um, you may need physical or medical help. And here's the thing, financial, medical, physical help, we may be in a position to help each other, but in order to do some, we may have to put ourselves at risk. Uh, we may have to put our finances at risk. I mean, here's an idea. Uh, a lot of us are going to get a check soon from the government as part of the stimulus package. Every adult's gonna get $1,200. Married couples get 2,400. I think you get, you know, $500 for every kid. It's kind of like the game of life. You know, you get money for every kid. Anyway, um, but you're going to get some money here. I, I mean, conservatively as a church, we're going to get probably $500,000 if you count everyone up. If you need that money, use it for you. If you don't need that money, can I encourage you to keep that money to give it to someone else? Or we could pull it together and we can give it to the community because uh, lots of people are going to need help. Uh, the stock market doesn't go down 20, 30, 40% for no reason. It means business is going to be bad. People are going to lose their jobs, but we can be there to help each other and to provide to make sure that there's no need. So that may be something that you may want to do. And it's going to come at a cost to you. Let me show you a passage in Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10 says this, because there was a group of people who were given the decision, do we help people? in trouble or do we not help people in trouble? Because if we help people in trouble, it's gonna come at a, 
at a risk to us. It says, but recall the former days when after you were enlightened, that is that you became a Christian, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction and sometimes being partners with those so treated. Now, here's what happened. Uh, there were people, what he's saying, there are people who went to prison for believing in Jesus and there were some who weren't. But if you believed in, if you went to prison for believing in Jesus, or if you just went to prison in general back then, the only way that you got medical attention, the only way that you got um, food and water is if your friends came and gave it to you. We may be in a season where our financial needs or even our medical needs are bigger than the government. They may be bigger than a hospital. And the only people who are gonna get help is if they get help from their friends. And so this group of people had a a decision to make because if they were to go help their friends in prison, guess what? (laughs) They were self-identifying as Christians. So you've got people who went to prison because they are Christian. In order to go help them, they had to self-identify as Christian. So what are they gonna do? Are they gonna stay back and stay safe? Are they gonna draw near and help their friends? This is what they did. It says they had compassion, which means they went. They had compassion on those in prison and they joyfully accepted the plundering of their property. Here's why they did it. Because they knew that they had a better possession and an abiding one. And then we get this challenge. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. So here's how we're gonna love in this season. We're gonna love in this season when we realize that in Christ, in God, that we have a better possession than any amount of money. We're gonna be able to love people who don't have finances, give away our finances. Well, you know, I could have used that to, you know, I've been dying for a vacation. I cannot wait till this is over so I can get on a plane and go somewhere warm. And that's what you're thinking you're gonna do with that check. Hey, I can refinish my floors. We will love people well and not be apathetic about their concerns if we get a hold of the fact that we have a better possession and an abiding one in God. So we're gonna prioritize the households of faith, but we're gonna try to do good with everyone. I just wanna encourage you to get on our website to see how we're helping people now. Uh, We're gonna look for more and more opportunities, but one of the best ways um, that we're gonna help uh, is is through the local schools with low-income families, uh, needing, uh, the, the low-income families needing, depending on that food, we're gonna come and we're gonna bless them. And there are ways that you can bless them. If you get on our website and check that out, you can find out how you can help. But here's what I wanna do. I'm gonna close with this thought. I wanna summarize um, five things that we can do in this season. Five things that we can do to hold on to, to, to faith and not fear, hope and not despair, love and not apathy. Here's what I encourage you to do. Number one, we need to pray. This is how we're gonna be a people of faith and hope and not given into fear and despair as we're people who come together and pray. We need to pray now more than ever. Join us this Wednesday. We need to continue to gather online. We need each other. We have to care for each other. We need to invite others to join. There are lost sheep all over the place, scattered, um, that we need to individually feel that responsibility to go and find those who are on the fringe and invite them in and to, and to bring them in and to be willing to start new things so that we can find uh, new sheep who are wandering out there. And then care, care first, mainly for each other. We wanna, there to be no need among us, but also we wanna care for those outside of our community. And we need to continue to give as there are new opportunities for the gospel. 
COVID-19 at the very least has and will continue to be disruptive in our life. But what if we allow this disruption to be transformative? I think God's gonna do it. He's gonna, get, make, he's gonna make these shifts in our life. We'll begin to be people of faith and not fear. We'll begin to be people of hope and not despair, love and not apathy. What if we saw this not as an opportunity to stand down, but to look up and to look out to see how we can give our lives away to others. For those who need us to see as an opportunity uh, for the gospel. What if we, we finally, God used this opportunity to finally tell us and to teach us and to instruct us that the church isn't a building. The church isn't just about uh, a meeting once a month. It's just not the church gathered, but it's a church scattered. Here's what I think you're going to see, not just in our church, but I think churches all over America and even the world, we're going to see an expansion like we've never seen because the doors have not closed. God has just busted them wide, wide open. Let me pray for us. God, I just thank you. I thank you, Jesus, that you came and died for us, that we can be people of faith, that we can be people who have genuine hope that you have made us yours by coming and dying for our sins. We thank you so much that we're a part of your family. We thank you so much that there's nothing that can separate us from your love. And I just pray that you would make that truth real to every person who's watching this right now. Make that truth real to every person. And God, may we be a community of love. Will you, will you inspire us to move out, to, to put aside our apathy, to love each other and to love the world around us. In Jesus' name.